welcome to the show, Phil. How are you going? Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for inviting me on your uh, podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going well. I'm glad glad to have you on the show. Okay, so uh, if you'd like to just uh, give a bit of a brief background to, of yourself and your career in the in the retail industry and and what you're currently doing at the moment, it'd be fantastic. Well, I've worked all my career in retail in Australia, um, so I've had. Uh, 33 years in retail. I've worked for Big W back in the 90s. I was a buyer there. From there, I went to uh, Vox Retail Group, who owned um, many uh, brand retailers like Chandler's and Billy Guyatt's Vox Retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a national retailer. So I was there for about five years in a national uh, buyer uh, role. Um, right. And then from there, I moved to Bingley in 1999, and I was there until 2021. So about 22 years at Bingley, five or six years as a merchandise director, 17 years as a general manager. Um, and I decided uh, to take a bit of a break at the travel, which we did. We had to delay it a bit because of mm. COVID. Um, yep and the restrictions and travel bans and everything else. So mm. we end up uh, traveling in 2022 rather than 2020 and 21. Um, and I was away for about six, seven months and mm-hmm. um, came back uh, around Christmas. I started my own consulting business in um, 21 and uh, that allowed me as well to work as a digital nomad. <laughs> while I was traveling, uh, so earning a little bit of an income while I was traveling. Um, And I am still working um, in my consulting firm Mm -hmm. um, uh, at at this point in time. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, I mean, you've had a very long uh, career in in retail. And, you know, one of the reasons why I was really looking forward to having you on, um, because uh, there's a lot of talk at the moment. I mean, this is a retail podcast, actually. We're, the first few episodes, we've been talking about um, cybersecurity and things because that's been on the minds of people. But now I can see, you know, the, uh, with interest rates and, you know, the current retail environment at the moment, it looks like it's, um, uh, you know, moving into what could be considered some pretty tough times. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to go into, if we could jump straight into it, you know, your thoughts around the current retail outlook in Australia at the moment. I mean, the climate seems to be you know, one minute they're holding off on interest rates, next minute the they're, they're, they're endless seems what is an endless cycle of increases. Um, what do you think of some of these, you know, trends and challenges and potentially some of these opportunities that are currently available at the moment for, for retailers? Uh, Look, I mean, uh, the last uh, five years or four years since 2020, uh, what we have seen in general in the economy um, and in retail in particular is is a once in a hundred year event. Um, Mm. uh, I mean, no one predicted uh, a pandemic uh, in uh, 2020. Nobody predicted the impact and the reaction to that pandemic uh, and, and the and the travel bans and 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 the bans from leaving your home um, mm. and, and 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 everything else. So, so the impact of that on many industries has been profound, and I think in in retail that in, uh, impact has been uh, phenomenal. Um, because what we saw in 
during that period of travel restrictions and, and working from home and studying from home. Uh, and the fact that people uh, really couldn't spend their money on travel or on or or going out, eating out or anything like that. Um, what we saw is probably the biggest boom in retail that we have ever seen or in my lifetime anyway, my working time. And um, and that boom uh, went on for pretty much uh, about 18 months, 19 months at the same time when when there was low spending happening in retail at the same time, because of uh, the uh, pandemic, uh, there was supply restrictions. So there was issues in shipping, there was issues in manufacturing, there was issues in sourcing uh, material. So as such, the demand outweighed supply in a big way um, to, to, like, to an extent that we haven't seen before. And, and it led to obviously the inflation um, um uh, genie coming out of the bottle yep yep uh, and that inflation um started to um, um to appear in 21 uh whereby you know uh, people were paying more for goods because they just wanted it and the choice was much smaller because of the high demand and low supply mm-hmm uh, and the uh, all the input cost um, uh, was high, so as such, mm-hmm. uh, inflation uh, kicked on. Yep. And um, and in my opinion, um, the the um, the you know the, the the amount of free money that was pumped into the economies with zero yep. percent interest rates yep. uh, has led to um, to uh, big uh, big spending, and as such, um, inflation. Um, um, went up significantly, uh, and now what we are seeing is that um, um, governments and, and, and central banks around the world and in Australia are putting interest rates up to try to tame inflation because inflation mm-hmm. is much harder than, than, than what, what it needs to be. Um, and um, in Australia, you know, inflation went up to around 8% at its peak. Uh, mm-hmm. It needs to be around 2 to 3%. That's what the Reserve Bank policy is. It mm-hmm. needs to be between 2 and 3%. Yep. So as such, we've seen 12, 12, 12 consecutive interest rate, in, or 12 interest rate increases in 15 months, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think we have seen before. And no. as such, um, what we are seeing now in retail is that uh, people are starting now to hold back on spending in retail. Yep. Uh, and we are t- starting to see um, the impact of uh, inflation, of mm-hmm. uh, interest rates going up, mortgages, repayment going up, yep. um, everything else related to that. So, uh, so as such, yeah, retail is starting to suffer. Uh, but at the same time, when you think about um, the amount of spending that happened during the pandemic period, um, yep. It is something that is is that was expected. So the slowdown yeah. that we are seeing now is expected. Yeah. How long the slowdown is gonna go for? Um, how much it like how deep is it going to be? It's still early days. Um, I think it's gonna be quite significant. Um, yep. And probably more in some industries than other industries or yep. sectors in retail. 
um, and definitely the sector uh, that you and I worked in, which is mm -hmm. the appliances and electronic, um, yep. uh, those categories you have seen a very big boom during COVID um, yes. because people were uh, buying um, home office equipment, uh, office yep. equipment, uh, yeah, computers, monitors, cameras, yep. TVs, uh, even uh, they were spending money on coffee machines and upgrading yep. fridges and everything else. So. Yeah. So I think the downturn in that industry is going properly to be significant, and mm -hmm. it's going to go for a for for a you know for a fair bit of time. Um, yeah. And um, and it's going to impact on retailers out there, no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot, there's so much going on, isn't there, for retailers at the moment? I mean, uh, I think you spoke about you know that that uh, it's sort of once in a lifetime. It was a bit of an opportunity for both online retailers and offline retailers and, and multi-channel retailers as such to capitalize on that um, additional spending that was going on at the time during the the lockdowns and things. And I think that um, sort of the, the bit of the post-mortem to that is that a lot of the uh, inventory management systems and things sort of overstocked a lot of retailers as well. So it's a bit of a double whammy too, isn't it, at the moment? I'm, I'm hearing that there's quite a bit of stock with some some within some categories. Um retail categories and you've got this sort of contraction going on in spending and it's sort of like okay well how do you how do you clear this stock out and it's um you know you, and it ends up being a lot of um reduced margins and and a lot of discounting going on to try and keep people spending and i think one of the stats you told me this is prior to the podcast was there was around one third of people are still spending and though they uh, those people are the ones without mortgages but the, the people with mortgages as you say you know with the 12 consecutive interest rate increases it's um they're the ones that are sort of sitting there counting their pennies a little bit more considering the the cost of homes and things and living and that inflation so it's a significant challenge for retailers and maybe it is the you could almost say it is that return again of um back in you know i think it was 20 just before the um the financial crisis happened, uh, that value conscious consumer that was out there was always looking for discounts and the rise of sites like catch and, um, and eBay were really, really cranking at that point in time because people were looking for discounts and we could maybe see us another cycle of that. Um, given that people are looking for discounts, what, what are your thoughts about that? And is there opportunities there for retailers to try and bank, you know, some, still some margin and, and keep turning boxes out of warehouses and so on? Look, no doubt um, the issues related to inventory uh, are real, um, but it varies uh, by retail sector. Yep. From what I'm hearing from my, um, you know, my understanding and talking to retailers out there, the furniture retailers are probably the ones that have accumulated the biggest amount of inventory. Mm -hmm. Because obviously they saw also an increase in demand during COVID. Yep. And, um, and, and, and their um, uh, supply chain is, uh, uh, is much longer. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in, on average, I think it's about six months from when they order the stock to when they receive it. Yeah, well, and, uh, and during mm. COVID, uh, obviously, with the restrictions in manufacturing and everything else, uh, they placed big orders thinking that the yep. demand will continue. The reopening of economies, um, people getting back to normal, uh, and as such, what happened? Love that inventory end up coming at the same time, arriving at the same time. So suddenly they were overstocked, 
and demand mm -hmm. dropped off significantly. So that industry has a lot of excess stock out there. Uh, other industries might be not impacted so much because their supply chain is uh, on much shorter lead times. Yep. Um, but there is no doubt that this uh, period of, um, you know, of uh, slow uh, slowdown in demand is going to see activities get back to pre-COVID levels where we're going to see significant amount of discounting, significant mm -hmm. amount of impacting to uh, of marketing around discounts and everything else to try to entice consumer to spend. And I'm hearing that really a lot of the spending now is happening when, when products are discounted. Um, yep. People are not really being uh, uh, buying when, when there is no discounts uh, and it's in some categories, it's worse than other categories. So I think this is mm. going to impact retail and it's going to obviously, um, you know, the, the retailers that have a better understanding of their uh, inventory, that manage their inventory better, that have the technology to manage their inventory better, that yeah. have uh, a real-time um, real -time reports on their inventory and sell-through, will handle this downturn a lot better than retailers that do not have, uh, that did not invest in technology and haven't, cannot really be, uh, that they don't have the visibility that uh, other retailers do. So yeah. as such, we will probably see that some retails will get through this period, you know, to, to trade. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that the, um, the the customer experience is still, for a lot of these guys, um, is sort of a bit of a way to, um, you know, keep their customers and, and lower their marketing costs and, and try and keep, I suppose, just keep customers in general? Because we, we, we all know that it's twice as expensive to acquire new customers versus retaining customers. What are your thoughts about a lot of these retailers that have a lot of this stock sitting in warehouses and you know, the front end of their, either their website or their, their in-store point of sale system is not the best in terms of customer experience. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Look, I think that when you uh, consider uh, the slowdown, um, it has impacted uh, a bit more on, um, on online uh, traders. During the COVID period, uh, people could not get, go out to the shop. So, so there was mm. a bigger demand on, on um, uh, people buying online. And as such, we saw a very big um, growth uh, in online sales. Uh, from what I'm seeing now that the economies have reopened, um, Customers are going back to the shops. Uh, they are yep. enjoying the experience going back to the shops. Yep. And as such, uh, the pure online retailers have um, are probably seeing a bigger downturn than the yep. multi-channel retailers. Um, mm -hmm. However, you know, those uh, people that have um, a better understanding of their customers and understanding what what their customers want uh, and can target their customers in a more with, with more uh, uh, content that they are looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously those retailers are going to pick up market share in this environment and those yep. retailers that haven't, don't have the systems to allow them to, um, to communicate with their customers in a meaningful way are going to find that, that they're going to have to, 
obviously leverage the discounting more to try to be able to uh, attract uh, a business in in this in this downturn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, all right. Well, we might move on to just a, another topic, and I think this is sort of again sort of goes towards um, you know channel growth and and moving towards um, creating uh, opportunities for 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 a business. Um, you know, sitting there as a as a um, general manager or a C level executive or so on. You know, you're thinking about you know your cost side of your balance sheet and your you know your revenue side of your balance sheet, and you're sort of going, okay, well, we don't want to cut too much on the on the cost side because we have to move you know, move the stock that's coming, and then you've got the um, on the revenue side, you've got okay, well, how do we open up new channels? How do we do it? Potentially do it. Um, in a way that is um, complementary or, or to, to the existing business model that these businesses have. And it sort of leads me to this sort of bit of a trend where brands are starting to move towards selling directly to consumers um, via, um, you know, the online side of things um, or specific locations and so on. What um, what are your thoughts around sort of fo- that sort of um, – that model where brands potentially do have the opportunity to now start uh, selling directly to consumers where, you know, they saw that demand um, back 2019, late 2019, 2020 uh, people, you know, just staying at home, not going in, not, not discovering their products and services and their ranges so much as um, via their website. What, what is your thoughts now that they've potentially built up this kind of audience now? Um, You know, obviously retailers, have a, an extremely important part of um, the retail landscape, of course. But um, I've noticed there's a bit, of, a little bit of a trend towards this um, sort of going brands going directly to consumers. What are your um, your thoughts around that? Uh, look, uh, I think your observation is uh, 100% accurate. I think that trend has started many years ago, I, and yeah. I think it. Um, it varies by retail sector, uh, but there is no doubt, I think that um, when a number of our department stores in Australia have started reducing the service levels in their shops, mm. um, the uh, David Jones of this world and the Meyer of this world 10, 15 years ago, when they started reducing service levels in their shops, I think uh, some of uh, their suppliers uh, started yep. uh, seeing that and, and probably receiving complaints from mm. from customers about the fact that they are not getting the service level that they they would like to see yep so i think that has um has uh encouraged some of those suppliers to look at uh, going direct to yep. those customers and setting up uh, initially started with experience centers Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to have yep. an experience center where where customers can walk into a like an Apple shop or a Samsung shop or a Dyson store or a, mm. a Louis Vuitton shop or a uh, um, you know uh, some of the clothing brands. Um, yep. And uh, and uh, they said, okay, well, we will set up experience stores and. Um, we will show our full range of products because again, mm-hmm. you know, law retailers pick and choose what they want to sell from a suppliers or from a manufacturer's range. Yep. Um, 
So they said, okay, we want to show our full width of uh, products, merchandise, and we want to have experienced sales staff that are trained, that can answer questions and uh, from customers. Yeah. And also, we want to give them a nice shop with a nice, uh, you know, shopping experience. As such, that trend started uh, with those type of intentions. Um, and I think that from there, I think that trend has has uh, increased. Those suppliers uh, saw some success with that. They saw that, okay, if we can avoid paying a retail margin, um, then, you know, we can uh, set up those shops and, you know, give the customers what they want, but at the same time, improve our profitability. And um mm. And uh, we saw many of those shops opening around uh, Sydney and Melbourne and other places. And then obviously with the e-commerce and with the uh, popularity of e-commerce, yep. many of those uh, brands decided to set up their own uh, e-commerce sites uh, and sell yep. direct to customers and, um, and bypass mm. the retailer. And um, so when you look at that, now when you look at the uh the market and the strategies yep um this is uh, part of parcel of doing business so it seems to be centered around the customer experience doesn't it i mean if it, it you know if, if you, a good point um about the training and 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 product knowledge and understanding it's during covid you've got people coming in and out of your business your retail business and then you've got these as you say these complaints potentially starting around not having enough knowledge um the online chat is not always a great forum to try and explain to someone, you know, the complexities around a particular product. And uh, the, these, these brands normally had um, better product uh, product pages on their websites. They usually had better uh, information. It was, it, it seemed like a, a natural progression or a law of process where they would just naturally go, okay, well then why don't we just front load our business just a little bit and say, okay, we'll bring in, um, some some people to man some some um, or look after some chat, and then we'll you know if anybody has an issue of a particular product, and it kind of it forced a lot of these brands to actually pick their game up digitally, didn't it? In terms of the online game, um, so I mean on that point, I mean the, there's a lot of really good nuggets in there, Phil. I'd love to dive into um, a lot of that, but um, for the sake of time, I just want to kind of move on to just that point of online retail. And um, obviously you were, uh, you were there during the, um, the growth of, of Bing Lee at the time. Um, and you saw the business go just, you know, go from, uh, from where it was to, you know, I won't say exactly, but it was like pretty, pretty amazing numbers. Um, what do you think is sort of this next evolution now in terms of the growth and for online retailers given you know, the current trends at the moment with spending and things. Have you got any um, nuggets you can provide the audience or any insights or any uh, future predictions that, you know, I know you don't have a crystal ball and won't hold you to it. <laughs> what do you, Look, what do you I think? I think that um, um, the, uh, the pandemic and what happened during the pandemic has disrupted uh, the evolution as well of online mm. retail or e-commerce yeah. um, because the growth that e-commerce saw during that period where people could not go out to the shops uh, was much bigger um, than than everybody 
was expecting. Um, yeah. You know, everybody was expecting growth to continue, you know, 5%, 10%, 15%. But during that period, the growth was 50%, 60%, 70% because people yeah, could big not jump. go yep. to the shops the stores, and yep. buy from the shops. And many retailers as well introduced the frictionless um, uh, frictionless pickup in the shops whereby yep. you order online and then you give us a time of when you're going to drive to the shop and we'll leave it for you at the front we, without... Yep us interacting with you uh, so we can keep that COVID, uh, COVID safe distance. Uh, so there was, there was a lot mm. that happened during that period. Um, also, uh, things like, um, you know, the shops were closed, but people were working in the shops. They were receiving customer orders either on the phone or online. And they were packing the the goods and then obviously uh, making it available for those customers to pick up without having the shops open. Yeah. So all that what we saw during during uh, COVID was not something that was predicted before COVID. I mean, on that point with the click and collect, I, I remember clearly a number of times um, we I think we had thirty minute click and collect, and a lot of businesses did one or two hour click and collect, and then. I mean, as soon as the pandemic hit, all of a sudden, um, everybody was trying to do 15-minute click and collect. It was almost like a race to see how quickly you could get your click and collect, but none of them were actually thinking about the customer experience. They were more thinking about the message, not not the actual experience. And one thing we knew is is uh, we'd already done the work up front to work out exactly how long it did take, and we had a service level agreement with the customer at the time, and a lot of businesses didn't have t- the time t- to do that, and hence why a lot of them were getting complaints and things on Facebook. But that ability to um, pivot really quickly in the times of a pandemic, I mean, it just shows goes to show how important it really is to have your online presence, in my mind, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say to industry standard because there is no industry standard. It's more about what the customer expectations are and making sure that you're on the path of your customers because I think a lot of the times retailers don't realize that their customers have moved off the path of, where they think they're going and in actual fact they've gone on a completely different path altogether and um you know it, it, they're focusing on trying to get click and click down to 10 minutes or five minutes but in actual fact they want something completely different like a better delivery service or a cheaper delivery service and going back to the point about um retailers making sure that they've got their online presence uh, up to date i think one of the things we saw during COVID was there was a huge investment in online and um you know, a lot, I know a lot of the retail, retailers um, and heads of and uh, directors in the digital space are under a lot of pressure to try and expand into things like marketplaces and, and, and try and get a return back on their business. But um, I don't think a lot of them have done the actual groundwork to understand, is that actually where the customer's path is at the moment? It's like you've got to focus on what you have and try to make the, the most of what you have and, um, you know, get that. Uh, really singing nicely and then you move on to the next uh you know the next thing I, I feel like a lot of it was crammed during the pandemic a bit like the overstocking and the algorithms um a lot of it from you know no one had a crystal ball at the time we didn't really know what was going to happen but um you know i think having that ability to be able to pivot quickly and and uh, meet the customers with with what they're really looking for um during these times 
um, is is super important. Thanks, thanks so much for that, Phil. You know, there are a lot of um, a lot of uh, I think opportunities. It's really about focus on on what you're doing well. Um, in my mind, you know, from a retail execution point of view, and making the most of what you have in the warehouse, or you know, what you have working really well from a marketing perspective, or even a technology perspective. There is a famous quote out there that, um, you know, it, you focus on the problem you're trying to solve and the technology and the tools will become apparent to you. And I don't think a lot of businesses actually try and focus on the, the problems that they're trying to solve. They, they tend to focus to, so much on the technology or the tools for their problems. And um, I think a, a, for me, a, a good a tip would be to actually sit down and work out what your problems actually are and then work on what tools you need to solve those problems. So. All right. So, so for the second part of the show, I'd like to just um, go back, if we could, please, just to talk uh, quickly about um, the uh, macro and sort of microeconomic factors that are that are in play at the moment. Um, outside of you know interest rates and what we spoke about before with the increased inflation and so on, what other um, issues are you sort of seeing at the, or even potential opportunities, but issues are you seeing at the moment um, with the economy? Yeah, look, I mean, from a retail perspective, obviously, uh, you have uh, the, the downturn uh, in demand and you have the uh, 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 basically the interest rates and mortgage repayments, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, utilities and everything else that are impacting on customers' ability to spend. So I think for law retailers now, it's really all about understanding their business, yep. understanding their cost base, making sure that they're cost base, the relationship between cost and revenue is under control. So mm -hmm. if there is a reduction in revenue, then you're looking at your cost of doing business and making sure that stays in line uh, with the reduction in revenue to, to ensure that your profitability is not impacted too much. I think that uh, obviously managing inventory is going to be key in this period. So yep. as such, those uh, retailers that have invested in technology to be able to in understand their inventory and understand, um, you know, uh, be able to have a real-time view into their inventory and have a work good working relationship with their suppliers. They work on shorter lead times. I think. Yep. Um, those retailers will 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 get through this period much better than those retailers that do not control their inventory as well or have a mm -hmm. much longer lead times yep uh, with their uh, with a, with their suppliers mm -hmm. uh, i think that uh, the other side of it as well is the marketing and um, yep. uh, obviously customers will be looking for value now um, yep they will be very much uh, looking at value, looking at uh, at your communication with your customers has to be about that, ensuring that, you know, if the customer has less money to spend, for example, on a TV and, and they can't afford to go and buy a premium TV, then, then ensure that you have an offer around the budget uh, product uh, to ensure that you have the stock that, uh, in the shops, uh, and you don't have too much of the premium goods, which is which are not selling. Um, from mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, the premium end of the market has been impacted a fair bit more than yep. the budget end, and now there is uh, probably more focus on private label, for example. Um, yep. I think yep. uh, when you look at uh, at the supermarket industry, 
that you see now that the gap in pricing between a supermarket like Aldi and supermarket like Woolworths and Coles is quite significant. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, and you you read also about ex uh, um, you know a management uh, team in in the calls and Woolworths saying that there is a, been a shift in uh, in the in the customer um, and mm -hmm. they are now looking more, for more value and as such they are also going to be investing in those products to make sure that they are giving customers what they want mm -hmm. and obviously the other side of it as well is keeping improving your technology in the business to be able to understand your customer and, and data yep. becomes very important now uh, understanding you know all the data that comes through your point of sale you want to understand to be able to digest it to be mm. able to communicate and execute a lot better in your business um, so mm. I think that really you know times are now changing again and I think it, those retailers that are uh, more flexible uh, and have a uh, you know very good understanding of their business and their customers will will do a lot better. Yeah, they'll do well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was only just the other day speaking of Aldi that I and I have to say I love Aldi's marketing. I think it's it, it is fantastic. I think they've really absolutely nailed it from the start to to even just just recently. Um, some of their commercials are just fantastic. Um, I, I went there for the first time in a while. My wife shops there. Um, and they've got self-service checkouts now. I don't know if no, you know. If you okay. know yeah, no, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. So they they do, and and I use them, and and I hate them to be honest. I don't really like them. I mm. you know because I don't really have a lot. In, but they were great. I just went straight through. Um, yeah, no issues at all. I mean, I've been a big W and and I've had a nightmare with trying to check out with things in and out. <laughs> you know, it's the same. Yeah, the item back the in. Ah, oh, uh, so annoying. God's not scanning. I it's think not scanning, wrong prices coming up. Yeah, but no, LD was fantastic. It was really the good. The other retailer that actually has introduced um, self-checkout and, and their technology is a lot better than um, than the supermarket is Uniqlo. I don't know if you've yeah, been yeah, there yeah. recently. Yeah, they use RFID. So, uh, mm -hmm. They RFID. So whatever you put yep. in, that, in that box that's there, it scans without you having to to get the product or the barcode close to a scanner, it scans on its own. And and then obviously mm. RFID is the technology they're using. Um, yeah, so yeah, thanks very much for that. I, I think it um, gives us a really good insight, I think, to where things are headed at the moment. And um, I mean, only time will tell, of course. Do you have any, um, any sort of, uh, I don't know, predictions for, for Christmas? I mean, I know we're still a while away from Christmas, but do you, how do, what's your general feeling about, um, you know, the the Christmas coming up and you think it's going to be early with the discounting. Normally when we've seen this value conscious consumer in the market and then we see retailers going early on discounts and, and really trying to own the custom early where it's more uh, online advertising through Google, um, display networks and things and, and AdWords and all of the other um, sort of online channels Um do you feel that it's gonna it's gonna uh, drop early, um, maybe even above the line with catalogs and things? You know, um, what's your general feeling um, about it at the moment? I think that the trend that we have seen um, in the last five six years is gonna continue and, and mm. probably keep evolving towards Black Friday. I think there is no doubt that Black Friday has changed yep. 
uh, pre-Christmas trading in a big way. The impact of Black Friday has been significant. People are shopping around the Black Friday period, around those four days between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Yep. And the spend is quite significant. Uh, yeah. It is now probably the biggest trading period in retail. Mm-hmm. So as such, what it's done, it's brought business forward um, because of the deals that retailers offer around that time. Mm-hmm. And then what we have seen is that pre-Christmas trade is not as significant as it used to be. Yep. And as such, law retailers now have to bring inventory early yep. to make sure that they have enough inventory to be able to sustain the demand of Black Friday. And then obviously after that, there is a pause in, 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 in trading. Mm-hmm. And then we see a pickup uh, in a few days before Christmas and then Boxing Day is another big event. Yeah, yeah. And there is no doubt that when we look at, um, at uh, you know, at uh, the slowdown in retail, I think we're going to see more focus on Black Friday. We're mm-hmm. going to see that the Friday, the Black Friday deals will be quite significant but potentially that will be would mean that christmas trade will be uh, uh quite uh, modest yep uh and uh, and as such there'll be an impact on retail margin because as obviously mm-hmm. when you are offering goods at black friday your margin is not very low mm-hmm. and then from there we go into boxing day and there'll be another set of discount around that time so there's no doubt that that this year around that period there will be more pressure on on the retailers margin at that yep. time um, mm. and, uh, and i think that the demand will probably be below expectations as well mm, yeah yeah that makes total sense yeah and and from a, a retail sort of media perspective i know you've got quite a bit of experience on the media buying side of things do you if if businesses have held out for a little bit hoping um for the business to pick up a little bit what's your advice to them do you think it's you know, I mean, most of it would be locked in now for Christmas advertising, sure, you know, sure. traditionally. But I mean, online, the auctions, I think, are going to be pretty, pretty hot. And Google's going to win that battle. It always does. But um, it's it's a major, major channel. Do you think that it's it's best for people, uh, for businesses to, to remain a little bit fluid with the situation at the moment with their with their marketing spend to, to move that inventory that's been sitting there since you know, that uh, lead time issue with COVID and so on? Or what's your feeling about that? Look, uh, I think that in in retail, um, when you have a downturn, you have retailers that pull back on their marketing spend. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. have retailers that see the opportunity and continue uh, to be aggressive in their marketing and in, in, in their yeah. messaging to customers. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, in in that time when there is less customers on the market, I think you need to be visible. You need to be out there. Yeah. People need to see you. They need to see what your offer is and what you stand for. So I think um, it is important to continue to uh, be active in, in, in that space. Um, obviously, you need to keep, uh, uh, you know, to keep things in perspective uh, as yep. far as the relationship between the marketing uh, cost and, and revenue. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my experience is that you cannot pull back too much. You need to be out mm-hmm. there. You need to be promoting aggressively and you need to 
to direct those customers to your business rather to your competitors business if they are spending more than you yeah yeah i mean we've seen that in the past haven't we with um diminishing returns sort of kicking in and and even it's sort of finding the right balance between spending enough to be seen and heard and 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 you know and not spending enough to get a return um you know it, it's 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 definitely a, a fine line and re- remaining profitable with all the discounting going on and, and the margins and so on so your trading costs and things of cost of doing business is super important you know at that time and and obviously in in that time as well there's retailers that tend to reduce uh cost in their shops mm-hmm. they try Cut to staff reduce hours. inventory and, yep. and, and things like that so again you yep. gotta be very careful there because there's a risk that you could cut back too much yeah uh, so it's important that um you know you're managed through that period um mm. and 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 you make sure that you don't cut back too much yeah well that, that's right i mean as, as you were saying before the the quality of the service, especially during COVID, we saw that drop 20, 20, 21, you know, all the way through um, 22, it started to pick up again as people were going back in stores. You start cutting your staff costs at the store level, you then risk run that risk of having a poor customer experience and pushing people back online again. And if your online presence is poor, you get stuck in this sort of vicious cycle, don't you? You don't, um, you tend to lose customers more than you uh, acquire them so no doubt i mean you yeah. talked that we touched on that before when we mm. uh were talking about brands going direct to customers setting up their That's own right. shops or their yep. in, own e-commerce site i mean that all started with the um with the uh retailers that cut back on their service levels and as such customers were having bad experience and and mm. those brands could see that and that's what uh where they invested the money in in shops and showrooms and e-commerce so it's important that 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 retailers maintain their service levels especially in these difficult times yeah yep it's all about remaining sort of dynamic isn't it Mm. all right that's great great advice thanks very much for that phil so we sort of covered christmas uh we sort of jumped to that but getting back to the the macroeconomic side of things and i mean just how this sort of downturn that we're sort of seeing a little bit here in, in, in the retail and how long do you think it's um, set to stick around for? Uh, look, I think that from, from looking at, um, you know, at the last 15 months and the uh, interest rates um, going up 12 times, and now we have had July and August where uh, interest rates have been kept on hold. Um, yep. Inflation is still, in Australia, even though it has come down, it's still sitting at 6%, which is yep. way above the uh, criteria for the uh, uh, our central bank. Yep. My fear is that um, this period could go for uh, longer because of the fact that um, um, the inflation is still high, interest mm-hmm. rates, you know, we don't know if they're going to go up more. I mean, a lot of the economists are still predicting one to two interest rate hikes, but we've had two months where we, we haven't seen anything. Yep. So my prediction is that period of pain or slowdown in retail is going to go for longer. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be going into 2024. No doubt yep. about that uh, from yeah. what I can see. Mm-hmm. I think that we are not going to see 
um, a reduction in interest rates definitely this year, and we're probably not going to see anything in the first six months of next year. Um, mm, so I think that the, mm. the, the slowdown in retail will probably go well into 2024. And then from there, it all really depends on how, you know, where, where inflation is going to be next year. Are we going to see it going back to normal, uh, to that 2 to 3% band, or is it going to continue to be high? So I think from a retail perspective, um, yeah, we, we're in for a longer period of slowdown yep. and potentially for most of next year, 2024. Mm. Yeah, well, I tend to, I agree with you, Phil. I think um, sort of, you know, you have far more um, knowledge around the, the, the economy and so on, but I can definitely see from a, you know, from a family of six, uh, six people, um, you know, with the cost of living and, and everything that's going on in the moment, um, you know, I can definitely tell you that it's going to take a while for people to start to build up their savings again as well. Um, and I think that's a significant issue. A lot of people starting to dip into their savings to cover the cost of those interest rates mm. uh, increases. And, you yeah. know, that's what's leading to to those that one third that do have mortgages out there that are holding back and, and not spending as much. And I know for a fact, we don't sort of spend as much on going out and so on, but we, we still enjoy ourselves, but mm. it's just, you, you, it's just what you do in these yeah. times, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting that mm. uh, when you look at the uh, retail, um, um, retail figures, um, the restaurant spend is still quite high. It's about yeah. 36%. So what, that's restaurant cafes takeaway still about 36 percent higher than uh, pre-covid level so i mean as we said before um you know roughly a third of the households have a mortgage a third rent and a third uh, are net savers to a certain extent um, Mm. without any big financial commitment so there's no doubt there is still an an element out there yeah. Of spending, which will um, obviously make it uh, uh, much harder for uh, the Reserve Bank to bring things back into uh, the target level. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think we, we got used to actually going out during COVID um, or after COVID. So all of a sudden we could go back out to restaurants and we started, we've started enjoying that again. And I think it's one of the things that we don't want to cut back. And um, we we saw a lot of the pain that small businesses were going through with their, you know, these beautiful cafes that are, were, were, you know, with the chairs all stacked up out the front. And I think we all saw those pictures and it's quite, um, you know, harrowing, you know, you, your heart sinks for these businesses because you know, the pain that they're going through, I mean, you can feel it. Um, and now that they're open again, you want to support your local businesses as much as you can. You want to get out there and and, and spend money in, in the hospitality and, and, as you say, cafes and restaurants and so on. So, but um, you know, it's I think it's almost one of the things would be last on our list to cut back on. I think if we, you know, if there were, uh, if t- times got a little bit tougher, and you know, I think um, I think a lot of Australians still want to make sure that they're supporting Australian businesses and local in their local communities and so on. I think it's There's super no important. doubt that that element is there. And I think yeah. that, uh, that, that is uh, spot on because I think mm. that that period of uh, lockdowns where people were not allowed to eat out, I think that's reflected in, uh, in those retail figures. Yeah. The fact that people are still spending in restaurants and cafe and takeaway, I think mm. it's, it's really related to that. 
mm. to that period where where we couldn't go out. Um, but you know, I think eventually it is going to get back to normal. There is no doubt about that with the higher cost of living. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Okay, Phil. Well, thank you um, so much for your for your time and your insights today. It's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on and having a chat. I'd love to have you back on again at some point. Um, just to let you know, every every one of my guests get one of these um, beautiful mugs. Oh, the show. <laughs> yeah, nice. So I'll send you. I'll send you one of those. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> thank you again for the opportunity, Nigel, and uh, good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you so much, and um, to all the uh, listeners out there, just a reminder for you, for you guys to um, like and subscribe, as they say. And um, thanks very much, Phil. And that's a wrap. Thank you. Thank you.